Hey, uh, welcome to Regen. My name's Kyle. I'm the pastor here. And uh, just welcome. If this is a place that you've been hanging out a lot, welcome back. Uh, it's just been um, a really fun summer at Regen uh, for a number of reasons. Just, uh, I think some really fun community is developing and uh, I'm having a harder time getting home earlier than as early as I want to because y'all are here and uh, that's really actually pretty awesome. And uh, so thanks for being here. I, I think at Regen, uh, I'm really excited for this fall because we're gonna be rolling out some really pretty cool opportunities um, for us to just really be interrupting people's lives with the love and grace of Jesus, more service opportunities, more opportunities for our friends that are skeptics and kind of on the fringe that wanna kind of stick their toe in the water without having to get too wet. <clears throat> so uh, we're really super thrilled about that. And the people that God relies on you and God relies on for that is you. Uh, there was that line at the end of Broken Vessels, something about that he makes his life shine through us. I, I, it was something, I can't remember all the words, it's bad. I remember feelings of worship songs better than I remember like what we actually sing. And uh, it's true, like it, God is not relying on me to grow regen. God's not relying on me to get the whole job done. It's really a team effort. And so there's a lot of people here early, a lot of people here late, and y'all are inviting. And I just wanna encourage you to keep doing that. Um, as a few people in this room could attest to, sometimes it just takes a while to even decide that you wanna start coming to church, and then it's a while before you can kind of get that into your schedule in a regular way. So just keep inviting and making that available, and uh, that'll be great. Hey, this Sunday is Danny the intern's last Sunday. At the end of the service, we'll take a minute and pray for him, but I just wanna make sure that you uh, get a chance just to say hey to him and give him a hug before he heads off to Moody uh, this uh, this fall again. I, I'm just super excited. He, here's what's kind of crazy is Danny and I are close enough to each other in Agent Moody that like he's taking professors that I took. So I'm like, bro, drop those, drop my name. Uh, no, and uh, so it'll be, it'll be good. Hey, we're in the book of James tonight, James chapter three, verses 13 through 18. It's in the Bible app. If you got the Bible in front of you, that's great. There's a blue Bible underneath you. Um, you can go there for James chapter three verses 13 through 18. I'm gonna pray and then we'll get into it. Hey Jesus, um, God, today we're gonna ask each other like something like, hey, how was your week? Uh, and the reality is we're, we're all gonna say something like, it was good, it was okay. But for some of us this week just wasn't. There just were moments of frustration and disappointment and hurt that we're kind of walking in with and not sure how to deal with, or we're looking ahead to this week and we're not sure how to do everything that you've asked us to do. We feel overwhelmed, we feel incapable, we feel ill-equipped. And so Jesus, what we need is wisdom, and I'm so thankful that the text that's in front of us tonight is all about wisdom. It's all about how to handle these situations. So would you um, give us some clarity as we uh, work through this text together? Uh, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. I don't know if you've noticed in your day-to-day -day living your life kind of thing, but uh, being with people is really hard. <laughs> uh, it's just really hard to be with people. It's hard to have friends. It's hard to have family. It's hard to have coworkers. Uh, relationships, as much as they are life-giving and encouraging for us, also have these moments of hurt and disappointment and frustration. And so we come to church 
We come to church and we think, okay, well, here's the place where I'm not going to be disappointed. Here's the place that the questions and frustrations and hurts that I have in my relationships, they're not going to happen here. Everybody's going to be really nice. Everybody's going to care about me. They're just going to hug me so tight. I'm going to feel so warm and fuzzy. And maybe the more realistic among us think, okay, well, maybe some people will disappoint us, but we pay Kyle never to hurt our feelings. That's what we do. We pay Kyle to be nice all the time. We pay Kyle to care for us. Uh, And so our relationships that are so life-giving and engaging, when they become draining and discouraging, we head to church and we think the presence of Jesus here will somehow like hold at bay the crazy. We'll hold at bay the draining and discouraging. But then someday something happens one day. You're forgotten. You're not invited. You're not included Somebody says something about you and it gets back to you in a way that's frustrating and hurtful. And now the love and affection that you thought you were guaranteed by coming to church because it was the safe place is now gone. Let me let you in on this. The dirty little secret of church life is that the longer you're a part of it, the greater your exposure to risk, the greater your exposure to hurt. The greater your exposure to disappointment, the greater your exposure to misunderstanding, the greater your exposure to just walking away and feeling, ugh. Somehow James is not helping us in this, like, church is great, just come, it'll be fine thing, because James is kind of building this dividing line, because the longer you're in church, the more likely it is you're going to be hurt. And so some of you are actually at a place like Regen, because you've been hurt by a church before, and this is a new thing, and so maybe it'll be different, but... We have this false dichotomy between church and our other relationships because I would suggest that the longer we're a part of our family, the longer we're a part of any friendship, the greater the risk is that we expose ourselves to hurt and and disappointment. And so as we turn to James chapter 3, verses 13 through 18, we find one of the earliest churches filled with some of the earliest followers of Jesus, and they're wrestling with this very issue. They are disappointed and they are discouraged by so many relationships in their own lives, and now they've turned to the fellowship, the koinonia, the people of the way, and thinking this will be the place where it works. They think that being a part of the way of Jesus is going to dissolve their discouragement and disappointment. But then they enter the community and they find these relationships to be just as challenging, just as frustrating as the rest of them. And so the early believers need help. They need instruction. They need a clue as to how to kind of be a part of church. They need a clue on how to handle all their relations and relationships. And the truth is, so do we. Guys, there is not a moment, there's not a week that goes by, let's put it this way, I would say there's moments that go by because we're lucky, but there's not a moment, there's not a week that goes by that I'm not faced with at least half a dozen sticky relational moments where I'm not exactly sure how to have this conversation, how to have boundaries with this person, how to engage with that person, how to navigate this or that conflict. And so James 3, 13 through 18 wants to help us put our faith in motion in this specific regard. So usually we preach out of the New Living Translation. That's what's in the Bible app tonight, but I'm actually gonna be preaching out of a translation of the Bible called The Message. Uh, The Message is the Bible in a contemporary language, and um, I was reading it in multiple versions, which is what I do to help prep for for a sermon, and I came across the message translation, and uh, it blew my mind. So if you happen to, like, have that on your phone, you can just change over to the message translation pretty easy, but it'll also be on the screen. And we're also going to do, uh, we're going to take advice from Doctor Who, 
who says that uh, you know time is not a pro logical progression of like cause and effect, but it's like a, a ball, big wobbly ball of timey-wimey stuff. So we're gonna treat the text like it's wobbly, timey-wimey stuff and actually move backwards. Because I think when, you, when we stand on our heads and look at James' argument in 3, 13 through 18, it's a little clearer than when we stand with our feet. And so in the first sentence, uh, in, in verse 18, James, in that first half, James says this. He says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results. You can develop a healthy and robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results. Like, this is it. Aha, this is the aha moment. This is huge. This gets to the bottom of what we're looking for. Don't listen to these people that tell you the Bible isn't relevant because this right here, this sentence is relevant because we at Regen are seeking to be a healthy, vibrant community. I come here, you come here because you want to be loved, you want acceptance, and if you are honest, you also know I need some accountability around some things in my life, and I'm seeking relationships with that. And James says we can have that. James says we can have a community that lives right with God, that we're fully in our personal lives, living into the vision that Jesus has for us, that uh, we, our hearts are aligned with his. James says we can have that. James says we can have results as a community and, and enjoy them. Guys, I don't get here at 445 every night and think, gosh, I hope nobody comes. Guys, we don't do this August 1 thing and think, I really hope nobody gives. I really hope we can't make any difference to a teacher's life in McGuffey. Um, we don't show up, the worship band doesn't practice and think, man, I hope nobody likes this song. No, here's what's happening. I, I don't prep a sermon and think this is going to bomb. Like I just hope, no, what I want is I want there to be results and I want us to enjoy the fruits of our labor. Um, if you're at Regen at this level, you're in leadership, okay? And what we want to do is we want to enjoy the fruits of our labor. And awesome, James says we can have that, but then look at the rest of the sentence, he says, you can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if, see, I knew it was too good to be true. You know, it's like when I was in high school, my mom would be like, hey, you could totally go hang out with your friends tonight. Only if, okay, you know what? The story's over. You know what I'm saying? I don't really care what I can do. There's this only if. He says, we can do these things only if we do the hard work of getting along with each other treating each other with dignity and honor. Well, crap. <laughs> we can do these things, sure, but only if we do the hard work of getting along with each other. James says we can have a community that makes a memorable and measurable impact on Champion and Trumbull County. We can do that, but we gotta do the hard work of getting along with each other. James says we can have a community that's right with God. We can have hearts that are aligned with his, but James says you gotta do the hard work of treating each other with dignity. James says, we can have a healthy and robust loving community. I mean, you can have your BFF for life here. You can find it. But we're gonna have to do the hard work of treating each other with honor. And James is gonna tell us how to get the hard work done. He wants to talk, uh, talk to us about getting hold of God's wisdom and getting rid of counterfeit wisdom. But I wanna look a little bit more at this idea of hard work. Because James says, having the church of our dreams, and this is why a lot of you are attracted to a place like Regen, like we're in beta version still, right? So we have the opportunity to kind of like craft this thing uh, with our own hands from the ground up, which is pretty cool. Uh, it's pretty cool to me at least. And so James says, we can have the church of our dreams, but it's not dependent on our mission field. It's, 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 can we just, I, I just wanna own, there are babies crying and I love it. 
Like, Jesus, multiply this, please, for real, okay? Um, not even kidding. It doesn't, it doesn't depend on our mission field. It doesn't depend on how popular or unpopular Christianity is culturally. It doesn't depend on how flashy our worship is. It doesn't depend on how attractive I am, uh, even though I am very, very attractive. No, <laughs> James says that having the church of our dreams, listen to me, James says that having the church of our dreams is entirely dependent on our hard work. If you want to be part of a church that's engaging and exciting and growing, it's going to take hard work work. It doesn't just happen because relationships that last a lifetime don't just happen. Friendships of trust and love and support and accountability, they don't just happen. Uh, They they don't come ready-made in a box. Powerful experiences of worship don't just happen. A transformed community, a transformed champion, a transformed Trumbull County doesn't just happen. It requires us to do hard work. It requires blood and sweat and tears. This spring, uh, Steph and I tried this thing called HelloFresh. Uh, And what happens in HelloFresh is it drops at your door every week three uh, fresh ingredients for three meals. Boom. So there's Saturday, a box in night. I don't have to go grocery shopping. Guys, I won't tell you how much this stuff was. If I don't have to go grocery shopping, worth it. You know what I'm saying? Drop an anchor on my toe. So here's this box. It's got three meals inside. They're healthy. They're fresh. They're delicious. They're cooked in under 30 minutes. Man, so it, it required some work, right? I had to figure out how to like chop ginger. But I mean, I also got a really great curry recipe out of it. And so we'd have to work really hard. And, and, and to be honest, this was actually also a big step away from, say, like Kraft mac and cheese, okay, for dinner. Um, and it's a big step away from one of those hungry man meals. Do you know what I'm saying? But, and by the way, like hashtag no judging if you eat hungry man meals. I'm just a little concerned about your salt intake. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, but here's the deal, when it comes to church, we have gourmet homemade cooking expectations, but we want them at hungry man investment. We have homemade gourmet meal expectations of church. That's the kind of community we want. We want it to be, we don't just want to be okay. We don't want to be good. We want it to be good. We want to make like Food Network TV judges faces melt good quality community. But what we want to do is we want to be able to stick it in the microwave for 60 seconds and that's all. But James says that for us to get the kind of community we want, requires, it requires us to learn how to get along and to treat another with dignity and honor. And that's hard work because it's hard for me to treat someone with dignity if they've disappointed me. It's hard for me to honor someone if they've hurt me. But James says that being part of the people of Jesus means hard relational work. And in order to do that, we're going to need wisdom, which is exactly where James goes in chapter 3, verse 17. James says, real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. He says it's gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. See, when it comes to mercy and blessings, can I not like breadcrumb those suckers out? 
like drip, drip, drip. No, no, no. He says overflow with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. That's what God's wisdom is. The message uh, on the screen says it's God's wisdom. Uh, other translations say heavenly wisdom or wisdom from above. What we need to do this hard work of having relationships that work, of having work relationships that work, of having marriages and parenting and, and, and adult child parent relationships that work is wisdom and not just any wisdom, we need wisdom from heaven which makes us gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings. I wanna answer this question before we go a little further, with, which is this, what is wisdom? Wisdom, huge biblical category. Wisdom is what in a person's character causes their life to go well and go smoothly. Wisdom in a person's life is what causes their, is a characteristic that causes their life to go well and go smoothly. It's wisdom is what we tap into when we find ourselves confused and not sure handled how to handle the day-to-day of our lives. It's, it's an ordering principle. It makes our lives more beautiful and whole and peaceable. Let, but let me get real. Let's just talk about the need. Wisdom is what you're looking for when you say out loud, I have no idea how to do this. Wisdom is what you're looking for when you say, I don't know how to handle this person in the next cubicle over because they're crazy. Wisdom is what, we, what we're looking for when we're saying, I don't know how to engage in this conversation with my parents as an adult to an adult. Wisdom is, how we, uh, is what we need when we say as parents, I don't know how to engage my kids in this conversation. Wisdom is what we're looking for when in a conflict, there is not a clear right and a clear wrong. Wisdom is what you're looking for and what you're reaching for when you say, I just don't know what to do. Wisdom is what you're looking for when you say, what do I do now? And the good news is that when we face these relationally sticky moments, when we're not sure what to do, when we're not sure how to handle ourselves, James says that wisdom is owned by God, that it's his, it's his property, and he's eager to share it. James 1.5 from earlier in our study said this, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. When it comes to wisdom, like God, Jesus is like Scrooge McDuck in DuckTales. Do you know what I'm saying? Like he's got piles of wisdom that he's swimming in. He's got piles of it. And, and, and he is eager to share that with us. It is as if the moment you step across the line of faith, God hands you a, a debit card or a credit card attached to his bank account of wisdom, and there are unlimited swipes there are un, or insertions. I don't, do you, what is the deal? Which, which, when, do I, when do I chip and when do I swipe? And please stop talking to me like I'm stupid for not knowing the difference because I was just at a place and now I'm here. I, anyway, the moment that you step across the line of faith and begin a journey with Jesus, you are given full access to all of his wisdom. There's this great song by John Mark McMillan, who you should be listening to, Christian artist, really powerful, and has this song called Future Past. And there's this line where he says, um, all treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside your hand. Wow. And God says, ask and I'm gonna give it to you. I'm not gonna rebuke you for asking. But this, by the way, means that you and I remain the primary actors in those relationally sticky moments. See, here's what I want Jesus to do. I want to, when faced with a relationally sticky moment, be like, fix it, Jesus. Like, Lord, help us. Like, be a light unto our path. Like, fix it. 
fix-it Jesus. And, and he says, okay, let's do that. No, 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 I, I don't want you, let's do that. I want you to do that, and I will enjoy that. You fix it, Jesus, and my life will be better. And Jesus says, no, 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 let's do that. Here's the problem with wisdom. Wisdom calls on us to act. And so in those relationally sticky moments, 9.9 times out of 10, God does not just fix it for you. God equips you through conversations, through prayer, through Uh, those various ways that he gives us wisdom to go and handle the situation. And so when you're in doubt about what is the wise thing to do, go back to James 3, verse 17. He says, live a holy life, a life characterized by getting along with others. Be gentle and reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced, So James says we've got to do hard work, which means tapping into the wisdom from above, which God gives us graciously and generously. I just want to kind of footnote, uh, Kyle's going back to school. I'm getting another master's degree because I'm insane uh, and uh, for other professional reasons. And I'm taking a class on preaching. And I'm reading this book on preaching, and I was really very much rebuked because I I was reminded that I don't put God as the subject of our verbs enough. So I want to apologize kind of from up front that a lot of my sermons say you and I need to do this, this, and this before we've talked about God has done this, this, and this, and therefore we do this, this, and this. Does that make sense? We're going to really kind of grow in that over the next little bit. Pray for me. I'm taking this preaching class. Do you know what the hardest part is going to be? Preaching a sermon in 10 minutes. Guys, it took me 10 minutes just to ramp up into this thing. You know what I'm saying? I don't know how this, anyway, listen. Ah, Jesus, fix it. Um, James says we got to do hard work, which means tapping into the wisdom from above, and that's what God does. God gives wisdom. God gives us wisdom, and he gives it generously, and then says, okay, go do it, but he gives us wisdom. It means being gentle and reasonable, but James says we need to get along with one another. We need to pursue wisdom, but we have to make sure that we pursue the right kind of wisdom. We have to make sure that we're not pursuing counterfeit wisdom. There once was a woman whose husband, long deceased, had given her a beautiful ring, uh, ornamental, uh, tremendous piece of artistry, and it held a beautiful green emerald. In her husband's absence, she would often flaunt this ring, which she wore until the very near end of her life. She would show it off to friends and family, first at family gatherings and then later in the nursing home. This is the ring my husband bought me, she would say. This, this is what she bought me. he bought me shortly before he passed. Uh, in her final months, the ring broke and couldn't hold the gem anymore. And so she gave it to one of her children and said, would you take this to the jeweler for us to fix, for it to be fixed? And so the son took it to the jeweler and the jeweler had to awkwardly explain that neither the gold nor the gem were real, that it was a piece of cocktail jewelry. Probably had only cost $60 and fixing it would be far more than the ring was worth. He who has ears, let him hear. We pursue counterfeit wisdom. We pursue wisdom that is not wisdom at all. Just like this woman pursued and treasured this ring that was of no value, we pursue and treasure wisdom that is really useless. Look at James 3, 13 through 16. Sid, I don't think it's on the screen, my bad. James says in verse 13 of the message, do you want to be counted wise? 
Do you want to build a reputation for wisdom? Here's what you do. Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk, that counts. Okay, so at this point, if you're not already, you should be saying, yes, I want to be counted wise. When I hear about wisdom, I say, yes, sign me up for that. Okay, and if you're not sure if you want to be counted wise, let me ask you this. How many of you like to be right? Okay, nobody, nobody's like, I really enjoy being wrong. You know, nobody is. Listen, I like to be right. And if you like to be right, that means you want to be wise. If you like to be right, you want to be wise because people that are wise are right way more often than they're wrong. So you want to be wise, I want to be wise. We want to be the friend we want to be. We want to be the husband we want long to be. We want to be the wife we long to be. We want to be the boss we long to be. Uh, we want to be the parent, the child, the brother, the sister that we long to be. James, to James, we want to be a church that's making a difference, and so we need to be wise, but we too often pursue counterfeit wisdom. Look at what James says about other kinds of wisdom, and I think this is, oh, it is there. Awesome. I, I'm better at this than I think I am. James says, mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourselves sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's animal cunning. It's devilish conniving. Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart. And everyone ends up at the other's throat. That last verse is the, bi- uh, is the autopsy of a dead church. A dead church has fallen into this. They're at each other's throat. They're trying to look better than others or get better than others, and they fall apart. Listen to me. What James says here is huge. He says, mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. God has no problem with ambition. He has no problem with success. He has a problem with success and ambition that come at the cost of other people, that come when you cut other people's Achilles, when you take them down, when you down-talk them, when you, mean-spirited ambition is that the only way that you know how to get ahead is by tearing other people down. Your brand isn't better if all you have to say is the other person's brand is stupid. Your way of doing it isn't better if the only thing you have to say about them is that it's stupid. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise is not wisdom. Uh, Those who speak don't know. And those who know don't speak. Those who speak don't know. And those who know don't speak. As a professional speaker, that's terrifying. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Telling everybody everything that you know isn't wisdom. Communicating verbally, non-verbally, or dare I say digitally about what's right and what's wrong isn't wisdom. The wives prove their wisdom not by flaunting it, not by eagerly going around and telling everybody how they could be living more wisely. They model it, they live it, and they shut up. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you're wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. We all have a person in our life who can interpret every circumstance to make them come out on top. And they, and they make you feel like you're the crazy one. But can I tell you the secret? They're the crazy one. 
Do you know what I'm saying? Listen, when there's somebody in your life that every circumstance, every incident, every conversation, it, they interpret that you're wrong and they're right, that is not wisdom. They are not right. L let me be clear about something. Wise people are right more often than they're wrong. And when they're wrong, they're the first to say it out loud. They're the first to say, I messed up. They're the first to say, yeah, I need to grow in that area. They're the first to say, mm -mm. wisdom is not twisting the truth of circumstances and emails and conversation and text chains to say, that's what you really meant. That's what you really did. And there are people in this room that I know from walking in life with them that they had people in their life just like this. And it makes you nuts. But James says, that ain't wisdom. Wisdom isn't you're right all the time because you get to construe the facts in a certain direction. Wisdom is I'm right because I live in such a way that makes me that. James says these counterfeit kinds of wisdom aren't heavenly. They're not godly. They're not from above. J and Peterson translates them in the message as animal cunning and devilish conniving. In the New Living Translation, it's even harder. He says such things are earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Mic drop. Nuh-uh. James says, you think by doing these kinds of things, this mean spirit and ambition, this twisting the truth, this boasting is being constructive, but it's not. It's just making things fall apart. And I'll tell you what, you know, what, you know that that person was as described here when they're finally taken out of the equation and things come together again. It's unbelievable to watch. And so we end up back at 3.13, going backwards, right? Do you want to be counted wise? Do you want to build a reputation for wisdom? Live well, live wisely, live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk. That counts. James basically says, talk is cheap and intentions are useless. Show me by the way you live. Just echoing chapter two, right? You say, I'll show you my faith apart from my works. James says, well, I'll show you my faith by my works. James says, prove it. James says, don't just talk to me. He says, prove it. And ultimately, this is an echo of the 318. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoy its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other with dignity and honor. Guys, I know that you long to be a certain kind of friend. I know you long to have a certain kind of marriage. I know you long to have a certain kind of relationship. I know you long to be a certain kind of parent, long to be a certain kind of child, long to be a certain kind of brother or sister or coworker. And James says you can be that only to the degree that you work hard, only to the degree that you get rid of counterfeit wisdom, only to the degree that you pursue godly wisdom. That's the only way that you can do this. But at a deeper level for us as a church, he says the only way that we become the church that we dream of, the only way that we do this is by hard work. Hard work of getting along with each other and treating each other with dignity and honor. And if I could kind of talk you through kind of two things to hang your hat on at this stage of our church life, it's the hard work of initiating and including. It's the hard work of initiating and including or inviting and including. See, what's gonna happen is if we're not careful, we're all just gonna wait around for somebody else to initiate a hangout. We're all just gonna wait around for somebody else to initiate something where we'll be included, and then eventually we will end up just like we ended up in my first seventh grade dance. All the girls on that side and all the boys on that side. 
because we're all waiting for each other to initiate. We're all waiting for somebody else to invite, but nobody wants to cross the great divide. Listen, we're not gonna have a loving community here if everybody doesn't do the hard work of inviting, initiating, and including, and I mean everybody. Like, it can't just be me, it can't be Steph, partially because we're gonna forget about someone and they're gonna be hurt. Like, I'm, I'm not gonna remember to invite or include someone. And here's the other thing you're gonna do, especially if you're a millennial, you're gonna be, that person's a little weird and I don't know if I wanna invite them. And so you do this thing where you like, wait until that person leaves. So we're all just gonna hang out and pretend like we're hanging out and just talking and we all wanna have a conversation about where we can go to eat after dinner, but we can't because this person's here and we really don't want them to come because they're a little awkward. So I'm just gonna stand here and just wait. And then they leave and the door goes bing and then we go, all right, where are we going for dinner? Finally, Joe Schmo left, don't like him, he's a schmuck, he's weird. We can't do that. The hard work that we have to do at this stage of our church life is inviting and including. The other hard work about inviting, by the way, being what Zach spoke to earlier in announcements, like nobody, signage, don't do it. Facebook posts, don't do it. They want to come attached to you. It is like they are walking into Ganondorf's castle when they come here. Okay, sorry, Legend of Zelda reference. And, and they don't want to walk in by themselves. They want you, you to bring them with you. And so you gotta do the hard work of inviting and they say, no, I'd really like to come sometime. So you keep inviting and you keep inviting and you keep inviting. By the way, the best person in the room on this is Zach. Talk to Zach about how he does this. I think it's just iron will. Uh, I think I, I just, you know, he, he just does it. That's the hard work is inviting and including. Oh, people over your house for dinner. Let's go get coffee, let's go get ice cream. We wanna go do this thing, we wanna go do that thing, da 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 It's gotta be the hard work that we all do. I don't know if there's a commodity in these moments that's more valuable than wisdom. And uh, the gospel assures us that we have been given full access to our Father. Uh, that we have been given full access to everything he is, including his wisdom that when we approach him, he is eager to give. He's eager to give us something that we need way more than a BMW or a Mercedes. He's willing to give us his wisdom. He's willing to give us some know-how to how to do this. And uh, that is the gospel, that we don't have to go alone. That song that I mentioned earlier, John Mark McMillan, um, it's this really interesting kind of poetry because he says, all treasures of wisdom and things to be known are hidden inside your hand. And in this fortunate turn of events, you've asked me to be your friend. <laughs> what an interesting turn. All what treasures of wisdom are things to be known and you've downloaded them into my brain so now I can handle everything right. No. All treasures of wisdom and things are to be known are hidden inside your hand. And in a fortunate turn of events, you've, you've asked me to be your friend. Guys, if you hear nothing else, hear me saying that God is eternally extending the invitation of friendship to us. And walking with him is really the baseline for how we handle all of these sticky situations for which we need wisdom. Hey, let's pray. Father, we need you. We need your wisdom and your guidance and your support. We need to know what to do to handle all of these situations. And so, Father, remind us of your goodness. Uh, teach us what it looks like for us to follow you, even in these moments. And, and Jesus, our heart is to be 
a church of excellence. Our heart is to be a robust and vibrant community. So empower us with your wisdom to do the hard work. Help us to invite and include to keep moving, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.